It's a WTOP huddle. We roll on and so much is, is going on. I think just about every sport and we have to start a spring football league and then we'll have that going on as, as well. But uh, Rob Woodfork, Christian, Dave Preston and George Wallace, although Christian is coaching football because they're playing high school football right now. So everything <laughs> is indeed uh, going on. Men's basketball tournament. Uh, you know, the, the, somebody said everyone's going to remember the semifinal game and they're not going to remember the final game, but Baylor's a great story, uh, and I remember covering in 2003, when you have a scandal that also involves murder of teammates, you're thinking there's no way that anybody's going to, A, like Scott Drew did, take a job at that school, and then B, turn it around to the point where uh, we're talking about a national champion. Uh, I'll start with you, Dave Preston, as you, you uh, give us so much insight on college basketball on WTOP.com. Uh, what, what's the takeaway for you from these? Oh, and there was, you know, and there was also talk of them dropping out of the Big Twelve. There, there was talk that they didn't belong in the Big Twelve. And when you look at Baylor's makeup as a school, it's a private uh, school in a uh, league teeming with public uh, school fish. You know, huge budgets like the University of Texas and Texas A&M and Oklahoma, deep pockets all around. Baylor seemed to be an odd fit. Governor Ann Richards of Texas. Uh, kind of forced their hand when they uh, when they moved uh, from the Southwest Conference to the Big 12. Just an incredible rebuild, though. I think like none other we've ever seen, because you mentioned murder of a player. There was uh, talk of potentially even dropping this sport at, at one point in time or giving them the death penalty back. And you know, death penalty, we mean you know suspending the program for two years back in 03, 04. And there are so many jobs. There are so many jobs out there in men's college basketball, women's college basketball as well, that are career killers. That you see somebody take Iowa State, for instance. Somebody takes that job, and you almost want to send them flowers or their family flowers. Illinois has been another job like that, where even though things have turned around under Brad Underwood, that job has seen guys go in. They buy the yellow, the orange blazer. They get fired, and they have nowhere to wear the blazer anywhere. So incredible job by Scott Drew. You look at. The, the big picture, though, this year, uh, Baylor is a 21st century team, meaning they take a ton of threes. They led the nation in three-point shooting. Uh, they had an average over 10 three-pointers uh, made per game. They're also a team built on transfers. I think they had three or four transfers in their starting lineup, especially now with the players not having to sit out a year uh, to redshirt after transferring. This is the new new. This is the Wild West. You're seeing guys transfer anywhere and everywhere. Going to go small picture, Kudus Wahab going from Georgetown. The big man uh, was really, you know, grew over this past year for the Hoyas. He's now at Maryland. Maryland also adds a kid by the name of Fats, uh, Fats Russell, who I thought he was 30 years old because I remember him from the 2018 Atlantic 10 tournament. So Maryland rebuilding on the fly. They have a solid, a proven point guard and a proven big man on the men's side, on the women's side. The waiver allows players to get that fifth year of eligibility. Katie Benson, honorable mention All-American, led the nation in three-point shooting over 50% from outside the arc. She's coming back. Chloe Bibby, kind of a do-it-all forward. Uh, she's coming back. Uh, there are other seniors are coming back as well. Alasia Styles, fantastic player off the pine, is returning. And, uh, you know, it, it, it looks like both the Maryland men and the Maryland women have a chance to start off next fall. If not in the top 10, maybe in the top five, Chris. So one thing, Dave, you pointed out early on was bouncing back from COVID and time off from that. Baylor was a team in the middle of February that like wasn't playing for almost three weeks or something like that. And they looked a little rusty coming off the time off and look at where they came from. Uh, Dave throwing out the Southwestern Athletic Conference. 
they played Arkansas. That was probably the best game and most competitive game they had in the tournament when the old Southwest foes between Arkansas and Baylor battled it out. But yeah, you mentioned it that Saturday bank shot by Jalen Suggs, the cousin of Terrell Suggs is what we are going to remember. The call from Jim, Jim Nance was awesome. And uh, Baylor just, you watched them against Gonzaga. They were the more physical team. They were the team that attacked the hoop, right? And that's what I love about Russell Westbrook's game. I know we're going to be talking about the Wizards here, but they attacked, right? Aggressive play. Gonzaga can be a little finesse, and as great as they are, we saw that last night. Whereas, you know what? If you've got some bruisers, no matter whether you play at the NBA or college level, and you can't really get down low without getting swatted or or feeling the pressure – then you're not going to be able to beat a team like Baylor. And we saw them. They were the most complete team, shooting-wise, defense, you name it, and they deserve the title. And that's what makes the tournament great. It's a one game. It's a one game. I don't know what happens in a best of seven between Gonzaga and Baylor, but it's a one game. Baylor was more ready last night or Monday night than Gonzaga. They ambushed Gonzaga, and it was game over. I think that Baylor was also ready, not just because, uh, not maybe even from emotional carryover from Saturday, but playing in the Big 12. The Big 12, everybody was talking about the Big 10, myself included. I think I had four teams in my final top 10 from that conference, and it was the Big 12 that had the better team as the the tournament progressed. You, and you, from, uh, and that, you can't, you have to tip your cap to what it was primarily, I guess, a football conference, uh, by having the best teams. And I think Baylor, uh, by playing that home and home with everyone inside the Big 12, that really steeled them for the tournament in a way that, you know, Gonzaga had a fantastic year, but the West Coast Conference, outside of BYU and maybe one or two other schools, you don't have the week-by-week competition that readies you. Gonzaga was the best team for most of the season, but they didn't have necessarily the best tune-ups. And when you're, and as Chris said, Baylor was the more physical team. They had to be the more physical team playing in the Big 12. Gonzaga could get away with being the most skilled team, with being the most efficient team. Baylor was the most effective team throughout the course of their regular season, throughout the course of the tournament. I think they won uh, their uh, tournament games by an average of 15 points, if I'm not mistaken, and the, and they were the better team Monday night. All right. Well, uh, again, Rob, uh, your, your takeaway. Uh, Baylor proved it. They can – you know, first Texas, I don't think they even know they played basketball in Texas. First uh, champion from Texas since uh, Texas Western in 1966. And, and, and that was played at Coldfield House. Wow. Park. So yeah. uh, can we get a champion again in D.C.? We had Georgetown. Can Maryland rise? What's your takeaway? Uh, first of all, I would love for basketball to return to what we saw last night in terms of being able to dominate the paint and all of that. That was the one thing that I liked about Loyola Chicago. And with all apologies to sister Jean, the most uh, incredible thing about it was you have a center who is down low backing people down, shooting hook shots, snatching rebounds. That's what I miss. I miss that about basketball. But, but it's also showing and this is happening, not to interrupt, but it's happening now in the NBA. You realize you can't just be a small ball team or a lot of teams are realizing small ball, but you do have to have that hybrid but, as part yeah, of the and thing it's last cyclical. night. And it's Baylor, cyclical. Three pointers from, from getting back in. Right. And, and, and we could get to a point again where we go back to having seven footers back guys up in the lane and, you know, you know, basketball sports are cyclical, not just basketball, all sports are cyclical. So, um, so yeah, I would, <laughs> I would love to see basketball return to that, but from the local level, that was the thing that I was 
sort of looking at as uh, as I was watching this game, because quite frankly, your mind starts to wander because it's not a close game. So I was just like, who locally could be the next uh, the next champion? And uh, and, you know, I think out of the teams of local interest, I, I think Maryland is probably is probably the closest because they are in a situation where they play in a in a conference. I know Michigan State, and Michigan are, are, are tough uh, draws, but uh, I feel like they play in a conference that would uh, you know allow them to uh, advance and get a high enough seed. I feel like they're they've done pretty well in the recruiting. Uh, you know, Chris doesn't feel so great about the coaching situation, but um, you know, I, I think that uh, you know, the, I mean. All, I mean, you can get you can get at least one good run, you know. So if it's about just getting a championship, I think Maryland might be the might be the closest uh, between Georgetown and some of the other teams that are local. And I, I've been yeah, I'd be curious to hear what you guys think about that, just because, um, you know, <laughs> Dave certainly is uh, is closer to it than I am. Oh, do we want to start with Chris because he always had a good backhand to Rob's forehands. <laughs> <laughs> I think the fate was sealed for Turgeon when Roy Williams was speaking so highly of him. And then, yeah, you get those two transfers in this class coming in and keeping the guys there that were the core this past year. Um, yeah, but I, I, I'm like, I'm back and forth. I think Turgeon's a good man. I think he normally produces a good team. Um, he just has not brought them to that upper echelon Scott Drew Mark Few level is Maryland ever going to get back there? I don't know. And I don't know if we're including Virginia in the local teams conversation, but to me, they're the perennial team that will be the uh, national champion favorite. They play in an easier, although with Hubert Brown, he could be uh, reviving that program at UNC and I making that a competitive hire. I love that hire. Yeah, I do too. It's a Hubert good one. Da- Hubert Davis, by the way, uh, the uh, and, and former wizard Hubert Davis, although right. I don't know. That's going to be the first thing on his resume, but I can, I can only say <laughs> one of his many stops. What a wonderful guy he was yeah. to deal with during the time of the Wizards. And, you know, uh, yes, uh, I'm glad. And we that was the thing. That. It's like you, you saw that in him as a player was that he was he was a very intelligent player. He was a very conscientious player and you knew he was going to be a coach one day. So to see him be on the bench there in Carolina for nine years and then be able to get that promotion that, yeah. I, that well, I, I love that hire. I, I didn't know he was going to be a coach. If you had told me Hubert Davis be chief executive of a Fortune 500 company, I would have believed him. Though yeah. he, he really gave you that honor, Dave. I uh, just and a lot of us uh, are naysayers when it comes to Roy Williams. His aw shucks, his dad gummit is. I don't know about this triangle and two thing from out of nowhere, but what incredible foresight! What incredible foresight by. Roy Williams to hire Hubert Davis, uh, you know, because he, he, he was he was a guy in the media. Uh, he very well could have said, you know what, I need some, I, I need guys with coaching experience. But for Williams to be able to see his future successor in Hubert Davis, I think I think he saw that when he made that hire. Good for him and good for you know because North the University of North Carolina they they were the first team in the ACC. They were one of the first teams in the ACC. Charlie Scott, I believe, was the first African-American player in what had been a segregated conference uh, in, in the late 60s. Uh, Dean Smith was uh, you know, famous for going into a uh, what was then a segregated uh, you know, restaurant with an African-American way back when in the early 60s when it just wasn't done, and he did it uh, you know, way back when. Uh, good to see Roy Williams uh, 
you know, make the next step. And, and, and good to have an African-American coach who's qualified to be things much bigger than a basketball coach. But Hubert Davis, great hire, and I hope he succeeds at UNC. It, well, it's about it's Very like well, Jawan Howard. It's about paying dues. Again, Jawan Howard was not given a free ticket, to, to, or Patrick Ewing, uh, closer to home. I mean, these guys paid a lot of dues uh, coaching basketball. And I think the takeaway can be done is is you know, John Feinstein shared when he, as we're having a conversation about uh, Gonzaga beating UCLA, and we're talking about UCLA hanging with Gonzaga. Twenty years ago, we didn't know how to say Gonzaga and huh. UCLA and all the titles, et cetera, et cetera. But we're right. talking about UCLA trying to hang with Gonzaga. So it, it could happen anywhere. It's the beauty of the game. And, uh, you know, we, we were talking about which local team has a chance to win, uh, is maybe closest to a national championship. Chris is probably right with Virginia. Maryland, I think, has a chance to get to their first Final Four, though, since uh, 2002. If the current – if every – if the pieces that are put together fit and, and work together – we, we've seen super teams in the last decade. Diamond Stone uh, had one great game against Penn State and then nothing else. Rashid Suleiman uh, was sort of a, a patchwork guy who didn't work out. So I think that that Mark Turgeon's, you know, a, a little wiser. I think his staff is maybe a little bit better to handle a team. Uh, and I think maybe the pieces will be better for a potential 2022 run. But in a single elimination uh, tournament, you never know. But I'm excited to see optimism all around uh, in, and, in and around the Beltway. New situation at George Mason with their new head coach. Virginia's back. Virginia Tech looks good this uh, upcoming season. GW is going to be better. And, uh, of course, uh, Maryland and Georgetown are coming off of tournament berths on the men's side. And again, George Mason had a wonderful run with Jim Laranega. And, and so, yeah, it can, it can happen. And coaches, and I think we also need to keep in mind that these are – they're kids, our young men, whatever you want to describe them. It's, it's not the pros as much as they're eventually going to be playing in front of 70,000 people, et cetera, et cetera, and, and how these coaches can relate and connect to these kids. And that's why Tony Bennett, uh, I'm his biggest fan, not just because I spent a 45 minutes in a car ride to a restaurant with him, but you think about the incredible low when they lost to UMBC and he takes them on a, on a rafting trip. And, and it's, it's more than just X's and O's. It is how you relate to these kids and motivate these kids and and virginia did win a national title so that that's what makes college basketball great uh, i don't know if i would have seen a baylor story happen i know i didn't 10 years ago or 20 years ago and and look what we're talking about today anything else uh, final seconds on the huddle do we have a master's prediction anything else anybody wants to throw out i'm taking jordan spieth uh he's off to a nice start to 2021 got the win on sunday i think he keeps it going i first first and foremost i'm just bummed that we're not doing the tiger woods or the uh or, or the field uh sort of picks uh here so um I, i'm taking jordan spieth that's uh that's my initial pick anyway chris um, oh, no. dave has got the hat on i'm sorry I yes <laughs> I'm bummed we're not doing birdies on the fives this year. But, yeah. you know, then again, uh, interesting thing about Jordan Spieth, he won this past weekend of the Valero Texas Open. I think only twice before has somebody won the Masters after winning the previous weekend. Phil Mickelson was one. Sandy Lyle was another. Two names I'm looking at, uh, Brooks Kepka. Uh, he tied for second, tied for seventh in his last two finishes. He's won four other majors. And this is a guy who performs at his best on the big stage. Tony Finau is kind of my dark horse, tied for fifth in 2019. He's probably most famous for dislocating his ankle during the par three tournament three years ago, but then he came back to tie for 10th. He's 31 years old. He's a guy who's 
at the age where, you know, he's, he should be winning his first major. So those are the two names right there for me. Chris. So watching the Washington wizards Monday night lose on what I thought was an offensive foul. What I saw that was encouraging is Raul Neto going right up to the scorers table and arguing it and needed to be held back by guys like Bradley Beal, who wasn't playing and some of the assistant coaches, it looked like, I hope that they use that um, kind of as momentum moving forward here as they need to make some sort of a push. Any chance that they want to have at the playoffs is on life support at the moment. They need to uh, maybe use this as a spark plug. And they need Bradley Beal back as well. I mean, they had the lowest amount of points they had scored all season on Saturday night against Dallas, a game they were kind of really never in in the second half. Um, that Toronto game, they were leading by, what, almost 20 points, Dave, and they blew it. So I, I just – I hope they take that moment. They think they feel that they got screwed over and that they can use it as a positive and uh, build and maybe oh. say, you know what, we're not going to take this. We need to beat teams by more than five, seven points and not have these plays in doubt anymore. But I don't know that they're skillful, skilled enough for that. First of all, that was a flop. Neto flopped yeah. hard. That was a soccer flop. That wasn't even the right sport. That's why he didn't get the call. But, yeah, don't blow the 19-point lead. Don't let it come down to that. Let that be a desperation shot after you're already on the other side celebrating your win. They lost that game way before it got to that point. Because I was – I mean, I was watching that. First half, it was just like they were in control. What was it like 12-1 to 1 to start the game? And I'm just like, they've got control of this thing. And they had control for most of the game until they didn't. And then once they didn't, they were like – at no point was I like, oh, the Wizards will – you know, they'll come back or they'll hold on. No. Nah, they, well, they, they no, they lost that it, way before that shot. Yeah, I don't think that uh, – I appreciate Hold Neto's passion, but I, I agree with Rob. I don't think that call is made in that, that situation uh, there. And I don't, I don't think it was necessarily an offense, so I'd have to look at it, at it again. And, Chris, thanks for uh, giving me a headache today because I was having a good day until you, you brought up the game that I had to, to call he, he last night. But a lot of lies, no, you don't pull a 19-point lead. And, and it, in this period of time is an example of, of how the Wizards don't have – depth. Uh, so you take two of their top three scores out of lineup. I don't mean this is an excuse, but that's how fragile it is with, with this, with this team. You don't have, uh, okay, Bradley Beal's out, you know, we, we start holding Neto, who's not a shooting guard at the, at the quote unquote shooting guard, you know, Russell Westbrook, incredible numbers, but also, uh, this is some of the, and I get back to a game last week where the wizards were five of 19 from three and six of 19 from the free throw line. At some point, we get X's and O's till we're blue in the face. You got to make shots. And the Wizards, and they're missing open shots. And I don't have an explanation, you know, why. But that the team was in trouble when, uh, I forget how many minutes into the fourth quarter, they only scored nine points. And, you know, you can't lessen, and then they've learned this lesson the hard way. In basketball, you beat the other team. You don't beat the clock. And, and so it's not about, okay, we can only score nine points and get out of here with a, with a win in the fourth quarter. This is a, a serious situation the Wizards are in. There's no way to sugarcoat it anymore because losses to the Raptors. That's a team in front of them. That's one more tiebreaker they lose. That's the second loss of Raptors this year. Those losses, and I remember thinking it in early January, late December, the losses to the Bulls. Mm -hmm. These are teams in front of them in the standings. So as you, they, only have to, they only have to get into that play-in spot, the 10th spot, but they don't have the tiebreaker with those teams. That's why it's a huge game against Orlando on Wednesday. And so now I'm going to enter therapy as we close the WTOP huddle. But I, Chris, thanks for, for, <laughs> by the way, Xander Shoffley, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with him. For the okay. Masters. 
There's like that. Uh, even though I don't get a master's hat like Dave has. For Bob Beaufort, uh, Chris Chion, George Wallace, who's covering the Nationals, and Dave Preston, who is a man of many hats, this has been the WTLP Huddle. Break. Break. <laughs> <laughs>